part of working on a game as a designer when everything is like you know it's all theory and you're just coming up with ideas and you're like bouncing ideas off each other and iterating on it and there's like it's a massively intensely creative period which yep. is fantastic um it is just infinite horizons and then every so often you find something that's cool and you just drive a stake into the ground there it's like well remember this and we'll come back yeah and just everyone keeps moving around like i think that's people who people outside the industry don't realize that where they're doing this whole thing of like like it's different to other i'd say it's quite different to like a film is when you're making a film it's collaborative as you're making it mm. you know like good writers good good directors uh they'll you know they'll work with their actors they'll refine the lines the stuff will evolve it'll change it'll you know as you're making it and obviously like being creative on your own is great being creative with a group of people can is somewhat like feel so much more rewarding when they're able to sit back and just kind of like this is crazy what we've built um, and yeah, yeah. when you're making like an album you know, you're recording like a lot of a lot of bands that are like, okay, do one song and then not to the next song. So it's lots of like little small arcs of creativity. Yep. And again, I must feel great. But when you're making a game, you can do all the really fucking awesome creative stuff at the start. And then there's little spurts of it every so often as someone's like, oh, this thing's weird or it's broke. We're going to have to change it. And then you like quickly like yep. work out a new idea. But there's a lot of just like putting a hammer to a nail like there's a lot yeah. of just sitting there kind of going fucking hell and then at the end and everyone's like it comes in everyone's like oh you must be so happy and i'm like i am emotionally dead to this <laughs> it's, it's not like like the matrix where they get the money and they immediately f- film like a couple of scenes and they have such good work done already that they can use that to fundraise and get even more money like the first things you film look cool absolutely not with games you have a load of creativity no. And then you start with a bunch of broken stuff and try to make it less broke. It's a like, all right, well, the engine... That, a bunch of shit that looks like it was made on N64 because there's no yeah. textures. And it's just like a vast, infinite white plane with a grid on the ground. And it's like, <laughs> it, it, I'm just testing how something works. I don't, like, what's the setting? Fuck knows. They haven't written it yet. And you're just yeah. coming up with something interesting. But there's a massive amount of that at the start. There's a big, huge creative buzz at the start. And then some stuff is like, it comes later. Where it's like, okay, we have a rough idea what that's going to be, but that's less important. So that'll be hammered out later. Let's get the core stuff done. Mm. And yeah, so it is kind of like, I don't know, it's it's a lot of, um, it's a weird buzz that you don't get in, in, in things. And I actually working on games now where there's like a fixed launch date and it's not games as a service, which is mm. a completely different beast. Um, but the one I'm more familiar with, there's this weird thing of like, getting to a um getting to a period where you're done and the, the game doesn't come out for months yeah it's like two months later and you're like oh okay because it still has to go through localization debug whatever and then just like be ready for shipping and they've picked yeah. their date and they're building their marketing towards that games is a service it's like okay like like 10 minutes before it's out the door someone's still like wait wait i have to get rid of this or the game catches on yeah. fire and it's like okay <laughs> cool you have to embrace the chaos with games as a service <clears throat> like last year we had a whole event planned around the olympics and <laughs> like while we were making assets for it there was meetings going on we're like this isn't happening is it and we're like well keep making the assets in case we could use them for any reason. Yeah. And we might just call them like the space games. <laughs> and so, like, is there anything here we could reuse? It was like, all right, there's just a decision made, like cannibalize anything you can. We'll absolutely pivot and do something else. Yeah. 
That's just, yeah. but like it's it's, and like I remember, I remember trying to explain to someone specifically of like back in the day when we were working on our uh, the first game we worked on together, Kings of the Realm. We were working mm. on it, and it's like, okay, so we've got the thing done. And I'd come home from work, and the lads would be like, Jesus, like he looked exhausted. I'm like, ah, oh, we were just we had to get something done by today. Like, and it's like, oh, cool. So was it like, you know, I'll go on Monday. I'm like, no, two or three weeks from now. They're like, what? It's like, no, we, it has to go for approval. And they're like, how long does that take? I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's, different. it's different every time. We have no idea. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, not, like not being beholden to stuff like that is very odd in a weird way. And mm. it's just a weird sensation. But it creates this big disconnect between you work on something and when it comes out. And then by the time the thing comes out, it's like, man, this is nothing like what we started on. That, that oh also, yeah. Like, I think that's that can be said about every game ever made. It's like, this game is not the game we set out to make. It's it's never the game you started on. Then when it gets into the player's hands, they often just find random little emergent things within it to make it their own game and there becomes these extra loops you weren't expecting. And you're not releasing it in the world you started making it in. Like there was, I got a real weird feeling in my stomach when Far Cry 5 was coming out and like it was coming out in Trump's America. <laughs> and I was just like, had this horrible feeling going, oh, this is so on the nose. I know yeah. that you guys didn't do it on purpose. I don't think, but it's too much. It's far too much yeah it's kind of yeah there's a lot of that there's a lot of and like that can like that can also like cripple your work you started work on something you had an idea but somebody else had the same idea six months ahead of you and you have no yeah. idea they've had that you've no concept that they have come up with the same thing and they're working on it and then they come out with it and you're like oh fuck they got yeah. there ahead of us and they've stolen all the market share by the time you like you have a good idea but somebody else had it as well and they're like that happens yeah. seven and a half billion people knocking around if you're the only person with an idea something is wrong now granted you they might have like you know the you know you don't just have the idea you have to have the ability to deliver on it but yep it's still like it's I, such a weird i'm thing. sure that I'm sure there was someone working on a cowboy game just before Red Dead Redemption came out. I was like, this is going to be it, the year of the Western, I got this. And I was like, traditionally, people hate cowboy stuff. He's like, no, no, I, I'm the one who's going to make this happen. And I then Red figured Dead Redemption. it out. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's the same thing. It's like, you see it with like little mini games, side games, that type of thing, where like there's a mini game and people are like, that's cool because they were able to turn around really quickly and somebody else gets inspired and makes a full game out of it and it blows up. And then the people who made the yeah. game were like, oh, we probably should have focused on that more. <laughs> it, yeah, you can't, you can't deny the execution because like there was Castle Crash, not Castle Crashers, but there was a game before Angry Birds where you fired trebuchets at castles and knocked it down. It was a little physics game and it was yeah. identical in every way. And Angry Birds, when you think about it, is so far from the metaphor of what it actually is. You're throwing birds at it, blocks to knock over pigs because the pigs, you don't, stole your eggs. Yeah. You like, can, it I, actually, it actually completely reads as somebody's trying to cover, like just change a couple of bits on your homework so they don't think we copied. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, just change the word trebuchet to bird. Uh, but that's it. If somebody can execute better, if someone can just make it feel that little bit better, yeah, it's like, and there's things like Super Meat Boy where it's a completely tried and trusted and true formula of like, how quick can you get to the end of the level? It's a little platformer, but they make it feel so good and so responsive and so engaging that you're like, oh yeah, reinvigorated the entire genre. Yeah, Perfect. and then like Super Meat Boy was kind of like the benchmark for a long time until a game like Celeste came in. 
Like mm. it's, but but some of them, like some of the, some game mode, or some game types or genres, which are which a bit more costly to produce. If somebody lands on it better, you're just kind of yeah. like I, I find it weird. Like Apex Legends is a really good example where Apex Legends has it's still hanging around as one of the like the the PUBG style. Like I call them like a, it's a PUBG clone. It's a battle royale, but like. Yep. Like the division kind of had like it had one beforehand. Division had a battle royale mode built in, and then there were obviously like player known had been doing loads of different mods for other games, H1N1 and all them. Yeah, yeah, he'd yeah. done it, and then he finally caught the right like the, he caught the zeitgeist with PUBG, and then Fortnite came out and was just bigger because like free to play and more cartoony and less demanding on the skill curve and stuff like that for shooting. And then, like, Apex comes out. And Apex is, like, yeah, it's set in the, the Titanfall universe. So it has, like, a lot of the, you know, similar weapons, aesthetics, and stuff like that. And you're like, cool. Does it have the movement of Titanfall? And they're like, no, no, you can't do this, the bullshit grapple, and you know, grappling hook stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of shit. And everyone's like, man, the movement's amazing. I'm like, you never played Titanfall. You have no yeah. idea what, is that, what this has actually been, like, what this has <laughs> been deprived of. But it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a weird one because it's, like, they obviously, you know, like if if Titanfall had have landed before the the various like PUBG and Fortnite and stuff like that, they might have ended up with a battle royale before then. If that yeah. movement was built, and they were like, "Oh fuck," because they would have obviously like, we need to capitalize on this. People are loving the multiplayer, uh, yeah. But it was just it didn't grab people the same way. It's a weird thing. It's 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 a very kind of odd like. Like gaming, for the most part, is very kind of in terms of mechanics and ideas. Uh, systemic ideas are very. It's it's like a fucking ball of spaghetti. Like how stuff connects oh, together. Yeah. But it's weird in that, like, if one game comes slightly before another, it can just drastically, like, you know, you could see it going a certain way, and then another yep. thing comes in, and you're like, oh no, we just took a hard right because this other game came up with an idea. But all those games started like two years before. Yeah. Yeah. And, and completely yeah. independent I'll, of each other, and completely we, unaware of each other. And they we, were, we've seen games, different. we've seen games that are years old, so like Among Us and things like that, suddenly come back because people are like, "Oh, now you're interested in that." Well, we with it, with two small changes, we can make exactly the game that you're looking for. And the fact that Fortnite is still going, I watched the trailer for the new season. And it's got Sarah Connor shooting aliens and Ripley driving trucks into Terminators. Yeah, and all this stuff, and I'm just looking at it going. This is insane. I want to play that game. It's like, unfortunately, I've played Fortnite before. And I'm just not pushed about it. But the game that you've just presented to me looks something like something I'd want to play. Yeah, it's. I mean, like, like once a game is out, I think how it evolves is a whole different beast. But the whole the, the the thing of like, you know, you get multiple games landing in a genre at the same time, and mm. either they're very quick turnarounds trying to capitalize on something, or it was multiple people having similar ideas two or three years beforehand, independently of each other, and all like landing on it in a slightly different way. Yep. You know, and it's just it's such an odd thing to to, to witness. Um, on on the subject of people having different ideas and uh, either completely coincidentally or maliciously impact. trying to trying Are to do any? each other, <laughs> Deep Impact and Dante's Peak, of course, were those two movies where they were trying to do each other. <laughs> Uh, no, I was going to pivot over to Pixar and DreamWorks, which is the one where DreamWorks right. were very much trying to get the movies out before Pixar. That the the uh, 
disgruntled. I've never heard of gruntled employees. I guess, <laughs> I guess we're the gruntled ones <laughs> in that we're happy enough to, to plug away. <laughs> but well, uh, gruntled, gruntled sounds like a weird kind of like woodworking tool or something. So then, so then you get your four eights gruntled, and you just you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If you want to do a real dovetail, you need a you need a proper gruntle. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was the guys leaving uh, Pixar, going over and starting DreamWorks, and knowing that they were working on a Bug's Life and trying to get ants out as quick as possible. I prefer to... ants. I think ants is funny. Yeah. I just like I, uh, I just think because it's like it wasn't solely aiming itself, and I think in a weird way Pixar learned from it where. Ants uh, did the the Simpsons thing. It did the thing where it's like, yeah, yeah. like have the jokes in, but have the jokes that the parents look at as well. They hundred percent do that. Like uh, Pixar, sorry, hundred percent learned that. Like they they, um, I was looking back over some stuff, uh, some clips and things, and there are. It really struck me how much Incredibles is like a Simpsons, yeah, uh, like good Simpsons episodes where it's got the family dynamic, but the thing you remember in the Simpsons isn't the family dynamic. It's there was a monorail that one time or like yeah. they they George Bush senior came to town and there was a whole fucking like fucking neighbors who hate each other thing going on. It's like, yes, that, they just tell was, good stories. That was President Ford. Thank you very much. No, wait a minute. <laughs> Do you like nachos? When he moved in, Do you like the road, football? It was, it was Gerald, yeah. Gerald Ford. It was George Bush senior. And then at the very end, Gerald Ford moves in. Oh, I thought it was Ford was there all along and then Bush came along. Anyway, no, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He, he even says when he when he tries to get into the house, he even says, it's me, your sons, George Bush Jr. And and whatever, Jeffrey Bush. And it's just a weird thing because George Bush Jr. eventually becomes George W. Bush and is the president. But uh, no, it is definitely because it's it's the same voice they use for the one armed guy who runs the gun shop. Is the uh, George Bush, George H. Bush. Bush, God, Bush. What's his name? Say, How did you lose your arms, sir? Let's just say the next time your teacher tells you to keep your hand inside the window on the school bus, you listen to her. Yes, sir. Like, as it goes all dark. Yes, exactly. It's like, it does the whole yeah. thing when uh, Skinner has his man flashback. A subsisted of a dish made of five kinds of rice, coconut uh, milk, um, prawns, pigs, and six kinds of spices. I went mad trying to find it back here in America, but they just can't get the flavors right. Or when, it, when Grandpa Simpson goes to the, the veterans of unpopular wars, VA place, and there's just the guy going, I lost this eye in Korea. I was drinking a Mai Tai and forgot to take the little umbrella in the drink. <laughs> she was like, that's a terrible story. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, um, anyway, to, anyway, to get into format a little bit. Um, yes. Hi, I'm Johnny Lynch, that's Glennon, and welcome to Dystropia, where we examine how tropes bleed across movies, TV shows, and video games. And this whether we're doing the great debates the master debates the master debaters uh where we pick a topic a a filmmaker group a game studio or something that is on top of its game and been making good stuff for a while and we we put two up against each other and and we have to argue uh, the merits for and against yes so last time uh, which hasn't been released yet so you know um was uh, Johnny, you picked uh, Tim Curry. Tim Curry, and then I countered with Denzel Washington. Yep. Um, we're so basically went for quality. Playing, we're playing top trumps essentially. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, and I have Galactus. <laughs> oh, um, sorry, uh, <laughs> you have to be raised in the eighties to get that one. Um, 
but yeah, the so eventually, I just had the idea of like I thought it'd be interesting that rather than us just only singing the praises of something, if I pick something and Johnny has to try and tear it apart, and vice versa. Yep. Um, and it kind of echoes back to our original first episode that we did um, on a stormy Friday night in Johnny's apartment. Um, mm. We were lying there in the afterglow and you watch Kali came up with this thing. It was like, okay, well, what if we just on the spot, like I think we took five minutes and we picked, I think it was like three. We, we had a topic. It was a cameos. I think it was. And we picked yep. three things that we liked, like one film, one TV, one, one uh, game. And we basically had to like we had a little debate and then was like okay which one is actually the better for each category um yeah. so it's just that was when which we were still I, like finding our feet and figuring out what we're doing we're still yeah we still are but i mean whatever yeah i i actually quite like that the idea that we didn't have if i could get someone to assign the sides of the debate to us two hours before we start recording i would absolutely do that because i love the idea of because I'm going to try and pick something I really love, but I was like, I love the idea of being given something I absolutely do not love and being like, here's the game, here's the video game studio that you need to do, do Capcom. I'm like, ah, fuck, all right, all right, I need to very quickly <laughs> scramble together an argument here. That, that's oh, Capcom's easy. Every Capcom every, is. every third Resident Evil game. I thought it was the even numbers. No, no. I'm thinking of Star Trek movies. That's Star Trek movies. Uh, Resident Evil One, fantastic, incredible, revolutionized uh, the horror game. Uh, genre, Resident Evil Two, uh, an expansion on Resident Evil One. It was good. Decent. It was the aliens to the alien. Yeah, Resident Evil Three, meh. Resident Evil Four, yeah. fantastic, amazing, revolutionized yeah. the horror game and uh, genre. Resident Evil Five, more of the same kind of an expansion. Yeah. Resident Evil Six, shit. Resident yeah. Evil Seven, yeah. fantastic, revolutionized the horror yeah, game. Yeah. It's just <laughs> how they go. It's every third one. It's just like the, they they keep looping back around. There's a cycle. Resident Evil Eight, the one with the tall lady, like that's going to be like, ooh, that's fucking amazing because it's just expanding on Resident Evil Seven. But then Resident Evil Nine is going to be dog shit. I'm just calling it now. Like it's going to be terrible. Yep. So can't wait for ten. No. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Ten's um, gonna be they just come to your house and break in and kill your family and everyone turns to zombies. You're like so immersive. <laughs> they tie you down and make you play through Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil Three. Clockwork Orange style, yeah. the eyes pinned open. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, we, so we did we did actors last time, um, and. Uh, this time Johnny chose the topic of film studios yes or film film uh, company because film companies yeah I, do you know what we should probably define that a little bit I, I like historically a film studio uh, was a big company that owned all the lots and all had like literally yeah. like here's a bit of a beach area here's the western style storefronts area here's the whatever lots they needed and then like you went there and filmed and the idea was that the studio had a lot of had a big hand in the making of these movies and the producers were there on set and you hear about executive meddling and all this but they they were the driving force behind a lot of these movies um and we both picked studios that means that that can't really happen anymore you've you've picked a studio that is more of a distributor but like are finding no they've produced a good and but they, yeah that's it they're finding good and interesting 
filmmakers and strips, but they're not providing sets. They're not providing like there. There's maybe two actors that appear in two different movies, and there's maybe three direct like a director who's worked on three different movies for them. But it's not like this studio always has this camera crew. This studio always fucking employs Harrison Ford. This studio X, Y, or Z. Yeah. It is a bit more slapdash. Whereas I'm going for, uh, so you're going for A24. Yes. And I'm going for Pixar, which again, it, it didn't have all the studio lots. It is as close as it possibly can be to that original uh, setup, but there's nothing physical. There is no actual physical yeah, but it's, lots or anything like, that they're doing. They, they just stick John Lasseter in everything. And, you know, they just keep throwing money at him and, and animators yeah. until he makes something new. Like, <laughs> he's just chewing the animators. Yeah. He's like Saturn devouring his children yeah, or Jupiter or whatever. <laughs> just this Titan. Um, yeah. And, uh, it is so funny that like neither one of them has the old studio system where like it's not like Universal or Warner Brothers where you show up on the set and everyone uses the same fucking house. There's one house that was like the monster's house and then was the desperate housewives house and like you can go back through all the years where they just keep repainting it being like it's just an interesting looking facade it's a really cool looking building and it's been on the go for like 80 years of filmmaking yeah uh the closest thing in toy story is they just have the the pizza planet truck that they put into everything as a little easter egg yeah i didn't even think of that um yeah. but yeah what uh so uh as movie studios go um, do you want me to give a, a rundown of of Pixar and yeah, go on. and what made me choose I'm, them? What I'm made more, me choose yeah, them? Like a little, you know, if you two three minutes on their history or whatever, or, or five minutes, and then like why you pick them as being a good example of <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pixar, I honestly picked them because you picked Denzel Washington last time, and it turns out that going for quality over quantity seems to be the way to go with this debate thing but uh from i could have done both the... and picked meryl street but i mean let's... <laughs> <laughs> uh the yeah pixar like the, the the first movie the first time i became aware of them was toy story in 1995 um all the way up to 2019 i haven't seen the 2020 movies onward or soul um which i'm told one is all right and one is great um but they uh they are very much like the Apple style thing of like, this is perfect. We're going to, we're going to spend ages or sorry. They're like the Apple marketing more so than the Apple company. The idea that we're going to do <laughs> stuff less said, often. They're like Apple and I, in my head, I was like, they have suicide nets around their animation studio. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so, but uh, no, it's the, it's the idea that like they are going to release stuff less often and make sure that it is ridiculously good that like they will kill projects rather than let them go on forever and like uh rather than release a bad thing they'd rather hang on to it and eventually it will become good um between toy story which was the first was it the first fully cgi movie start to finish yes does it have that accolade? i think it was the for, uh, first full length feature film because there had right, been right. i think there had been one or two um, yeah, the first entirely computer animated feature film. Yeah. Because th there had been like uh, short films and stuff that had been done previously, like eight, 10 minute jobs, that type of thing. Uh, and it was, Toy Story was groundbreaking. It was, um, it was amazing how well they used the technology uh, because they couldn't render humans. I've seen the original. This is like that thing of them just iterating and iterating and iterating. They had like 
all these little short films of like kids playing with toys and stuff and the kids the babies and stuff were like nightmare fuel they were absolutely mm. horrible uh so they're like okay well we can do hard surface well we can do cloth well we can do that kind of stuff we will just do it about the toys the humans will be you'll see them walk around in the background like the the legs of the lady who owns tom and jerry yeah uh, no, I, I, the one thing i used to compare them to it was like they're like um they're the adults in uh, Charlie Brown. They're just in the back. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah. it. You don't, you don't, you see a the, silhouette. That's it. Yeah, the story's not about them. The story's about the toys. But like, the, even in Toy Story, the story is about humanity. The story, like, like eventually, the the logline for it is "What if toys could talk?" But you can see the kind of sparks of these things of like, no, no, there's some more existential stuff going on in there. Like, what is, what is death? What is? Does it mean to stop being a toy? Uh, from there into Bugs Life, which is a bit meh, but again, is the follow-up is is the one where people start taking notice and DreamWorks start trying to take them down by making a very similar movie and releasing it just before them every single time. They do that forevermore. Uh, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles. The Incredibles to me is still one of my favorite movies, not just one of my favorite animated movies. There's something about it that is genuinely charming and like epic and the scenes on the desert island where they're like outrunning the robots i mean genuinely like they're going to kill those people like that's people feel like they're really in danger and it's got that through line of simpsons humor that i just really really love um ratatouille wally again wally is one of my favorite movies up is it the point now where they're taking on big existential questions and some real dark themes and sadness and oh yeah the, the like, opening five minutes of up are like traumatizing yeah, but the opening well, five minutes of up is better than dialogue, other entire movies. Pretty much. Yeah. Like there, there's, there's a little bit of dialogue, but like it, it, it's pretty much like I always wonder if they were sat there and just were like, ah, but how do we just fuck with people? <laughs> and then someone was like, <laughs> I mean, psychologically or emotionally? And he was like, yes. And then, hmm, okay. Like that's what it feels like. But yeah. But I, I use. Pixar, whenever I'm talking to people about creative endeavors as one end of a scale, which is you hang on to it and you keep working on it until it is good and it's right and it's ready to go out the door. Uh, and the other end of the scale is South Park, where I'm saying they've got, they need to do something a week. Yeah. Yep. It's, there's a fantastic documentary called One Week to Air, where it is literally the guys had taken on far too much one year. I guess they were writing a movie or a, a musical or something at the same time. It might have been the Book of Mormon. Yeah, I think it was. And they also said they'd do a season of South Park. So they would show up on a Monday and start writing the episode and have to have everything recorded and like done on the wet. Like by Wednesday, they need to start recording. And then by Friday, they've got everything animated and they hand it off on Saturday. And like you should see the guys hanging around the animator, shaking their hands and going like, guys, can we start on anything? Do you know, do you know if you're going to need anything? And it's like, draw a picture on the board of one of the characters you need, and we can just start animating it. Just, we don't even know what it is yet. Yeah. And it, both are, that's a real punk, crazy way to try to get something creative out the door. Um, and they both have merits. And every creative endeavor I always think, has to fall somewhere on that continuum. It's like, are we going to hang on to it and possibly kill it? Or are we going to just put it out the door? And I like, for people starting off, I'm like, get as much as you can out the door, start getting feedback. Like, all content is good content. Yeah. Get stupid shit up on YouTube. Get people commenting on it. If someone says your mic is dog shit and you need to get a better one, good. You've just got an amazing piece of feedback. Yeah. Now, the next time you do something, your voiceover will be better. The more times you go through the process, the, the faster you'll identify your weak points in the process and can fix them. Yeah. 
Like, but uh, no, like it's it's a weird one where I don't know if I need to explain Pixar to people. People grew up with it. Like you know Pixar. It is ridiculously good, and they're still making, like they still make a classic every second movie. They made Coco, which I watched again over Christmas, and it's just so endearing. There's something so amazing about it. The idea that on paper, if you said we'll make a movie about skeletons and death, and you'll want to be in the like the dead world, the the humans will seem really weird and uh, like like the the humans will see like the thing that you want to brush past to get to the land of the dead and see this bright, vibrant, alive place that's so colorful and inviting, Scrim- and that's where you'll want to live. Scrim Fandango. It is Grim Fandango. I wondered, I, as I watched it, I wondered how much they lifted. But I mean, they're both lifted from the Day of the Dead celebrations. Yeah, it's yeah, also, yeah. there's literally, there's the DreamWorks one that's either called the Book of the Dead or the Day of the Dead. That's exactly the same storyline. Um, it's about a, a luchador who dies, or not a luchador. What's the, the one where you play guitar? A mariachi? Yes. What's the, yes. What's the, the Robert Rodriguez movie? His first one, El Mariachi? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, um, Mariachi, Desperado, Cameron. Once upon a time in Mexico, that was a trilogy. Was it? Um, the last thing on Pixar is that, like I will say, is I think they might have made the perfect trilogy with the Toy Story movies. Like, the, there's I cannot think of another trilogy out there. I know, but that's not I a trilogy, Johnny. They, I will I'll go back to the Douglas Adams way of looking at things. He's got a trilogy of seven at this point. Five. And he sells the books are sold as a trilogy. Of, oh, is it five? Yeah, for what a I trilogy remember. of five. Yeah, because the last one was but, uh, like the fifth, the fifth book, uh, the fifth entry in the amazingly popular and increasingly uh, inaccurately named Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy trilogy. That was the tagline on the bottom yeah. of the book. Um, uh, I have watched, but I haven't I haven't seen the fourth one. I'm looking through the list, and I have watched, I think, only nine Pixar films. Really? Yeah, because I find constant sequels really boring. Which is a they thing don't they do. do constant sequels. Toy Story compared Toy to Story, other Toy Story, Toy Story two, Toy Story three, Toy Story four, Incredibles, Incredibles yeah. two, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Cars, yeah. Cars two, Cars three. Fucking Monsters, uh, Monsters Inc., Monsters University. Like half their catalog is just sequels. That is true. And it's like, like they're, I, they're... I watched Toy Story. I remember watching Toy Story in the cinema on opening day. I remember being a huge big deal. I was twelve years old, going up with my mates and watching it. Yep. And I was like, that was really, really good. But if I think about it now, what I was thinking was that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Bugs Life. Which, also, so if, but, if Toy Story actually, was on over Christmas, you wouldn't watch it? No, not arsed. The, oh, I love Bugs Toy Story. Life, a Bugs Life I thought was good, but then I saw Ants. I was like, well, Ants is better because it was funnier. And I just thought it was just a, a better story all around. Toy Story 2, I watched I watched Monsters, Inc. And I really liked Monsters, Inc. Um, I watched Finding Nemo. And as, I was, I watched as an Nemo, aside. Not in the cinema because I was working in a video store when that came out. So I, it, we just had it on to try and sell it. And then I watched The Incredibles, yeah. and I thought The Incredibles was fantastic. I tried watching Cars, turned it off after 20 minutes. You're not the audience for Cars, but go on. Ratatouille I watched because I was working in the cinema when I was out. Um, Wally, I've only ever seen the first half of because I just don't really care about that film. Um, oh, I love Wally. It just it just doesn't click for me. I'm watching it about halfway through, and I'm just like bored. It's yeah. um, 
up, I watched all of it in the cinema. And in all the others, I was just kind of like, not that pushed. I watched Monsters in University specifically because of Monsters, Inc. Um, because I, I, I thought Monsters, Inc. was like, it was the first, like, okay, it's the fourth film they made. But it was the first one that I watched that I went, this is actually entertaining. This is like, this is yeah, yeah. what a film should be. It's got a really good story. It's got really good characters. It's got good chemistry. Every joke isn't just like it, there's subtle jokes as well as really like you know overt yeah, yeah. for the for the thing like i said it's that simpsons effect where they started to learn oh hang on this is where we have to put in jokes that like you know the the the, the uncle who's like watching it with his niece will get you know like that type of shit there yeah, has yeah, to be yeah. other shit in there and that was really really good and i i would say watch coco if you haven't seen it and they they do quite a lot of that where there's the like yeah, the, the levels of I think I, I think like, like I'm looking through the list now and I can see why I don't like certain films, and I can see why I do like some. Like it's it, it, it's like because you can see like certain writers just constantly showing up and certain directors constantly yeah, yeah, showing yeah. up, and it's like looking through it here. Anytime John Lasseter directs it, I look like I don't care. Uh, when Brad Bird writes it or directs it, yes, I'm interested. Like. Mm. He did Ratatouille, and Ratatouille was very well done. He did The Incredibles. Um, but, like, if you look at Brad Bird's film history, I was like, I think I'd, I'd seen Ratatouille, and I was like, man, that was really good. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, it's the same guy who did um, the it's the same guy who, who did uh, who did Incredibles. And I was like, all right, what else has he done? I looked up, and I was like, oh, okay, he did Batteries Not Included. He was the writer for that, which was, like, mm. a film I watched a ton growing up. And then he wrote and directed The Iron Giant. Yes, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's why I like him. That's, that's he is actually a, that's a guy who knows film. The film he did after Ratatouille, Mission Impossible. He did Ghost Protocol. Yeah, it's just odd. He did Ghost Protocol. He did Tomorrowland. He did one of the new yeah, Jurassic yeah. films, and then he went back to The Incredibles. I, but it's just so, it's just a weird loop. But it, for, look, I just think there's certain guys who just don't get me. I'm just like, mm. yeah, that's fine. Uh, but if you're saying that these guys are they're they're cranking out uh sequels not in kids movies like not not in like every disney movie that you know that's like your your lion kings or yeah. your aladdins or stuff like that there are three or four sequels to all of those and some and, of them are just real fucking cynical none of them get, copyright grabs none of them, none of them get like um cinematic releases none of them are made like a big deal of at least the ones like when yeah, i but like I, in that period of like 80s 90s like early 2000s like yeah lion king got there was a lion king too it was directed directed dvd directed video and like mm. all the sequels are done like that and that's to it's to it's because they're like cool we don't like the copyright on all these things yeah but it's also like it, it, it's it feel like i think I, they recognize that a sequel is rarely as good or better than the first one yeah yeah so i i would say that finding finding dory is an amazing movie i really like I really liked Finding Dory. I actually think that Pixar have done ridiculously well since being bought out by Disney to not just start cranking out uh, sequels to everything. I, you, I would absolutely have expected them. I know they do it with Cars, and that's the one that's aimed at much younger kids. You know they're making and that one another makes Buzz Lightyear film. We're, appro we're approaching five films with him in it. It's like, that's fucking <laughs> Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street territory. You know what I mean? I, if you keep making good films in the Toy Story franchise, I never said they were like they, 
I just said that they were making them. <laughs> like, it's, and I, I, I appreciate that these are... The Middle like, East 3 good ones. I appreciate that like these are more biased towards kids. I am 100% understanding of that. I still think that there's like... There is... I think there's a good way and a shit way of doing kids' films. Yeah, yeah. And... Or I say a good way and an uninteresting way. And I think their stuff tends to lean more towards the uninteresting for me. In that it's just they you'll see it like you, you see it in a lot of their things where they will um they get a story and they're like, oh, here's the characters, here's the setup, we're gonna put these new characters together, who conflict, great, standard yeah. story progression. But then there will be an amount of chase sequences or sneaking around sequences with like lots of like visual gags because yeah, they yeah. don't really have a story and they're just trying to pad whereas but, but when they you when think they that's do, the pixar way of doing no, it? When, no 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 i just in general like this is like this mm. is how you pad a story but when you when they do it well and i'm like that's fine but if there's nothing happening and nothing being said and it's just the character's going and then they're running around for 15 minutes i'm like this this film could have been 15 minutes shorter or you could come up with something some more interesting jokes when they do it well yeah, yeah. where it's stuff like um the the like the watch call it's the what's the best way of explaining this i'm trying to I what's, have, what's I a good kids thought. movie like monster Inc. i think is really well done in that they do have their chase sequences yeah. they do have their sneaking around sequences oh but there's the, constantly the bit where they, all the doors are and the, the bit yes. where all the doors are opening and closing yes. is a scooby-doo joke yes but they they make it like they give a reason for it exactly. that and makes so much sense of it, that every time they're yeah. going into like the rooms are changing the locales everything's different and they have good dialogue and they have good jokes for everybody who's watching not just for the six-year-old you know what i mean like it's like there's I, they're, they're they're keeping it interesting because the thing is is like i'm not saying that like they have to always have a joke or a sequence that will land both with adults and with kids. What I'm saying is that that type of stuff, yeah. if you're going to put in a joke, that's going to be like, the kids are going to love this. Great. But if I go back and watch this in six years time, it should still land. It shouldn't yeah, yeah. just be predicated I, on the whole thing of like, look at the funny thing, do the Wibblies. Like that's, that's I, not, a, not, that's not I, funny. Like, I literally worked with a dude who uh, was excited because Finding Nemo was going to be on the TV. And I said, oh, yeah, you're a big fan. And he goes, yeah, the colors, man, really holds your interest. And I was staring at him going, he's not joking. That's actually true. That's such a weird thing to say. That's what I'm saying. Like, we just like It feels like there's a lot of that in, in the likes of Toy Story. But, and I I think, no, I, I think that there are, there's an attention to detail and attention and a, and a love of filmmaking that puts a layer of polish on this stuff. That means when I do watch Finding Nemo again, they, there'll be something like, you know, the way we, we uh, studied the ecology of this region for six months before we even started. So the bit where the, one of the characters is explaining something to the teacher, you can actually look in the background and go, oh, actually, they did put in the correct floor and fauna. They did put all this stuff in. Like, I feel like there is extra stuff there for you to get a hold of. And there are those slightly more adult jokes. There's a weird bit in cars where the guy comes out and is signing autographs. And two little sports cars flash their headlights at him. I was like, oh, his fans just flashed him. And he acts really embarrassed for a second. And then like his security move him away. And I was like, that's not a joke for the kids. That's a really weird little joke 
that like but even even if you don't get it as a as an adult even if it just goes over your head you might pick it up on a third or fourth view because kids love having this stuff on the background i've watched all the cars movies because my little nephews love them and i'm just looking at them kind of going eh this is this is genuinely something on the background if they do a chase sequence it's not going to be on like they'll do it through a really interesting city and they'll set themselves a challenge of what does paris look like at night or what does what does it look like in this movie where we want to show an entire season go past? It's like okay, well let's let's do something interesting here. Let's actually have something cool going on that you can actually feel like there's a world here that we're just seeing a small part of the story of. Yeah, I don't know. I like I appreciate there's people listening to this as well going like Jesus Christ, Glenn doesn't like kids films. What the fuck? Like of course. Like, <laughs> I, and, and I appreciate. That. I know, that's it's the point of this exercise. I'm talking about the craft of it. I'm talking about like. If yeah, you're yeah. going to, you know, there's some of them that just, the, like, it's, I, it's, like the other day, okay, here's it. The other day, I went back and I watched Willow, okay? Yeah, yeah, LucasArts yeah. film, grew up with it, loved it as a kid, even the scrotum giant two-headed dragon thing traumatizing me, still loved the film. Yeah. I went back and I watched it the other day, and it still holds up. It still has hilariously funny lines. There was jokes that I never got the first time around, but they were there. There was jokes that I remember being funny back then and we're still funny now yeah and that's what i'm talking about there's a lot of stuff in pixar that just does not I, bear up to a repeat viewing I, like you associate it with it when you look at it you're like i want i remember watching this as a kid and it was great but it's mm. like when you actually go back you're like yeah i could skip this i could skip all this scene i just want to see the funny bit again but there's nothing in between to like hold you know what i mean it's just that's what it feels like to me it's just kind of i don't know i yeah I think you're describing something that's like overproduced. If it was music, you were saying there's like they've they've taken some of the life out of it. But I think you don't get the the nightmare fuel uh, testicle monster. You don't get the horse drowning like in in was it Never Ending Story or Princess Bride or whatever it was. Good old Airvac. Like you don't get that weird that weird that weird again <laughs> fucking stab in the dark where they're like this will be an emotional moment and it is an emotional moment because you just killed a horse. <laughs> But I think they have that in the Pixar movies where it's uh, uh, where they have the, the opening of up or they have the bit in the Incredibles where guys get sucked into jet turbines and things like that. They have those slightly more adult weird things. Um, I like the Incredibles is a weird, weird one where it seems like it's aimed at adults. Like you're yes. saying that these are kids movies. The Incredibles yeah. is about a is about a midlife crisis yes. is about people trying to reclaim their former glory and stuff like that. And that's why I think um, anyway, that's better to repeat viewing. Like I just, just as an example, I think like that. Yeah. You're saying with uh, the Incredibles, with stuff like um, the monsters films, that type of thing, I think as like a franchise, they hold up better. But I think that they, yeah. because they had learned by the time they started them, whereas the earlier stuff, which is the stuff that they still lean on quite heavily, like Toy Story, they hadn't figured that out. And that kind of set the tone for all the, the following ones. And yeah, they yeah. can't, they feel like they can't change. Whereas like anybody who watched Toy Story as a kid I, is like, is an adult now. Like those films are 25 years old. Like that is not a, yeah, but I, you know. I, most of the t Pixar movies I've seen as an adult because I am an adult now and they're still making them. But like they take mad chances the whole time. Like for every Monsters University, they also then make Brave, which is based on Scottish folktales and is a completely mad story and didn't quite do as well as some of the other movies. But is it doesn't stop them doing then Coco, which is based on Mexican folktales, like based on other completely random stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I think they are reserved with their use of sequels but i also recognize that a lot of the movies are aimed at kids and they are now owned by disney so they will continue to make sequels everything that is popular 
we'll get a SQL, but it's not every year or every two years. It's every four years or five years that a SQL for this come out. Again, hopefully when they think they have a good idea or a good story to tell. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's jump over to A24 at this stage. Yes. Um, and we can kind of do a little bit of back and forth. They have a ridiculous resume for a company that is eight years old. <laughs> they have yes. released, so they have a very different approach to filmmaking and distribution. So there is a number of films. They only started producing films back in like 2016, but they've been going since yeah. early 2013. Like they're about, well, I think they were 2012 or 2011. They were set up. Their first film that they released was the start of 2013. Yep. They have an approach where they find interesting or potentially interesting indie film ideas and mm -hmm. they throw an amount of money at it secure the the distribution rights and then step back and don't interfere which i mean it is it's, it's the hunter-gatherer approach yes it's a hunter-gatherer approach compared to pixar's agricultural approach yes and it has led to them releasing some absolutely terrible films and some phenomenal films like they have multiple oscar winners under their belt that oscar winners that i don't think any major hollywood studio would touch so yes. like kind of the, yeah, the moonlight and uncut gems room what's the other oscar oh room of course yeah uh, uh like room is a pretty big one as well because like that's the type of like subject matter that most studios be like oh no fucking way like yeah, the guy yeah, yeah. essentially like kidnaps a woman and like it keeps her in a shed out his back garden for eight years nine years and routinely rapes her and she has a kid and the kid has never set foot outside of room and to him that is the only universe that exists and it's about him escaping and trying but like the escape and all the rest is in the first 20 minutes after that it's about mm -hmm trying her trying to accept it and trying to teach her son to accept that this is the world um and it's like it is a it is a tough film to watch and everybody should watch yeah. it. it is a phenomenal performance by them like by like uh, the like brie larson is phenomenal the kid is incredible in it. like the whole thing is just really well done but like yeah, yeah. there's a lot of films that so how many films would they release a year uh say about 10 to 15 maybe more it's probably ramped up in recent years in 2019 because mm. to... i my i didn't realize so 20, before 21 the research films in 2019 there's a whole contingent on the internet and film twitter and things who are people who are fans of a24 who are like they their movies are amazing and i was like no i some don't think of them are. <laughs> yes but, but there's people who are like, they've got this visual style. I was like, I don't think they fucking no. do a visual style. Man. No, what they have, they have like, what they have is that I don't think, I, I don't think you can say all their films are amazing. And that's not what I'm here. That's not why I've picked them. What I would yeah, say yeah. is what they are doing for the film industry is amazing. Yep. I, I, so A24 films are either brilliant and something you wouldn't have seen elsewhere or, or just odd or really weird or boring as fuck yes and like so in terms it, of the like the weird camp like some of their early, very early films um like enemy <laughs> i remember trying to describe enemy to someone and i'm like 
I don't know how I do that. It's a, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. And this yeah, was yeah. like their fifth or sixth film. Jake Gyllenhaal is a dude who basically sees that there's this celebrity who is identical to him. And, oh yeah but like and then it's all about like you know them encountering each other and how their lives diverge and all the rest and then how they interact but that does not prepare you for the ending of that film there, there is a point where a man where Jake Chanel's character walks into a room and sees something that would have any rational human being screaming and running for the hills and he just kind of looks <laughs> at it and then the film stops and I remember watching it go what the fuck was that now it was still a very engaging film yeah but it was weird they also did under uh, like they uh, just to like rhyme through some of the ones the ones that kind of got my attention early on they did enemy under the skin with scarlett johansson lock with tom hardy um they did tusk the kevin smith film which is just fucking bizarre um, yeah. But that has like um, fucking Justin Long's in it, um, Haley Jaws in it, Johnny Depp makes a cameo in it. Um, he does make a surprisingly good French Canadian investigator character, like to the point that I kept going, it's not Johnny Depp. It's uh, like I keep looking at him going, it's Johnny Depp. No, it's not Johnny Depp. His voice is, his accent is too good. Yeah. But they did, like they did. Um, there's another one, best visual effects they won, uh, like one of the films won, because they made Ex Machina. Um, yeah. Well, they, not that they made, they distributed, they did, like that's the thing, they have yes. started going heavier into production, but there is an amount of money that they will put towards these films. They've done so, Room, they've done The Witch, they've done Green Room, which is an incredible, incredible horror thriller. Um, Swiss Army Man, which is just bizarre. Into the Forest, which yeah. is a phenomenal film. Um, and then the more recently, like they've done uh, they did Moonlight. They did uh, It Comes at Night, which is actually like a really well done uh, horror film. Um, Killing of a Sacred Deer. Uh, what's his name? <sighs> uh, Yorgos, no, Yorgos Lanthimos, the guy who oh, did The Lobster. Uh, it was his second film or his third film. Right, right. Um, so um, Colin Farrell's in it as well. Uh, they did The Disaster Artist. Which is about the yeah. They have a few. They have a few different. They have they have a couple of um, uh, Dave Frank or not Dave Franco, James Franco movies in there. Yeah, but then they did like Hereditary, Eighth Grade, which yeah. is um, Bo Burnham's film, which is fantastic. Um, they did Midsummer, uh, like The Lighthouse. They, they did Jen. some of my favorite films. It's like they do fantastic yeah. stuff recently. Now, granted, like I said. There's a whole bunch of them that are just mediocre. There's a whole bunch that are just weird. And then there's a, like a collection of uh, like 15 or 20 fucking phenomenal films. But their approach of medium to low budget, we we provide some amount of money or we provide a lot of money depending on what they're, you know, like which type of, uh, whether they're taking a producer role or they're just like, you know, here's some amount of investment and we do the distribution as a return. But they, but, they're taking chances on multiple first-time writer directors for you know multiple actors that you've never seen before and the amount of times that they go to people like um oh yeah yeah cool you've like we're gonna we're gonna make this for you and like we're gonna fund you and and release it sorry for you and they're like cool cool and is there any requirements no 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 no, no. you just make your thing 
and like yeah. just based on the script that they've seen or test scenes or whatever. And that is such an antithesis to how Hollywood has worked for so long. Yes, the 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 best thing I can say is that they they don't have that executive meddling and they they clearly know how to they clearly know how to pick a project in the first place. Uh, but I used to know someone who's a merchandiser for a clothing company, and her job was to go to all these different shows and just pick out what was going to be popular, was going to be what's going to be in the spring line, and be thinking ahead like what's what's going to be spring, autumn, winter. What are, what are the different seasons? What I'm going to do. And it feels like up until 2016, that's what they were doing. They were just going to festivals and picking stuff up. They were they were rocking in and going, oh, this looks interesting. We'll like we'll back this up. And there was absolutely no input during the creation phase or anything yeah. like that. Like the The Witch and Room and Ex Machina and everything like that were ridiculously cool movies that the guys got in and went, oh, awesome. We're gonna we're gonna distribute this. We're gonna be the, the cool New York guys who who you know put this out and get our get our title card at the front amongst ten other title cards. And then Moonlight seemed to be the first one where they they actually did seek people out and they, like since then there's a hit a list of ones that they have, you know been been the actual producers. They're they're throwing money at it. They're making sure it gets made. They're making sure that people they've worked with before, like the guys at Hereditary in Midsummer, like do some cool stuff. Uh, but it does feel it feels like saying it's an A twenty four movie up until a certain point is just disingenuous. And also, there's ninety five movies I, on the list of movies that they've released. Yeah, no, no, I get that. But like, if you actually look through those films, even those ones that you say beforehand that were not like that they weren't producing or anything like that, that they were just like, we'll give some money, we'll distribute, we'll take a cut, that type of thing. You look at films like yeah. The Lobster, you look at films like Green Room, I, Enemy, those films would never be released by 20th Century Fox or Warner Brothers or I, any of them. They wouldn't fucking touch them. I I think we're going to start seeing that shit happen. Yeah, like, they are never uh, because A24. of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think... Yeah, I, I think that they are the most famous of a bunch of... Uh, production companies who are all doing this. There are companies like Annapurna Pictures who actually do this, but have been doing it by giving money to the lads at the start. There's the company Neon that only started in 2017 that is buying up these cool movies and literally made one of my favorite movies, I, Tanya, but has been just looking slightly further afield and looking to like made Honeyland and Ingrid Goes West, which was two ridiculously fun movies. And then did then source Parasite, which was an insanely good movie. Uh, and there's other ones like Draft House and SpectreVision, and there's one called UFO from France that just do, they're doing exactly this. And I think that A24 has this cult of personality about it, that it seems to be able to cast an even wider net and pulls in even cooler, I, like I don't, pulls in a, go on. I don't think it's a cult of personality per se. I think it's more just... Like granted, yes, Annapurna, feels Annapurna like films have been doing it about as long. But Annapurna films don't do as many films a year. And yeah. they nearly all of them are co-productions with a major studio. Yeah. Like if you look through their list, there's it's like, yeah, this was done with Columbia Pictures. This was done with the Weinstein Company. This was done with Warner Brothers, Sony, 20th Century Fox. But, but what I'm saying is like the 
that that's the same as A24 though. They are never the sole production company. No, no, no. Again, yeah, no, no, I get that. But what I'm saying is that like, particularly in the early years, before they were even co-producing, when they were just picking up these films, they were they were doing it in a way where they were just like, cool, we like it, let's let's take it, let's release it. And they were doing it on a huge range of stuff. Like mm-hmm. the likes of Annapurna, they're doing it like three or four films a year. There were some films where they did just one. Whereas yeah. like in the same year, the A24 are like, yeah, 15, 20, do it. Like just throw them out. Like, and, and I think the, the later companies that have started doing it, they're coming in because they, um, because they actually wanted to, um, like they're seeing that this is happening and they're like, shit, this is revitalizing independent films. There's, here's the thing. There's films, you mentioned Annapurna, there's films that Annapurna have produced, but they didn't distribute them. A24 did. Really? So Annapurna produced the film, but wouldn't distribute it themselves. Yeah, I mean, that, but that, I would give Annapurna more credit in that instance. Why? It's like you've made like, something of it. No, I'm not putting it out. I'm going put, I'm, I'm <laughs> to put that monetary risk on someone else. That's like, that's the thing. That's the thing. That, that, then what, I, what I'm saying is then that Annapurna just seemed like they have more money. Like they, or sorry, I'm just saying A24 seemed like they have more money. They are able to take a lot more risks. That's fine. But then why isn't why isn't Miramax the best one ever? They they put out ridiculous amounts of movies. Re- You're saying that Tusk is the weird Kevin Smith one. All the original Kevin Smith movies were on Miramax, which is a little subsidy of Disney, and it has infinite money and can do all sorts of weird stuff. Like it picked up Goodwill Hunting and picked up loads of other completely random stuff that on paper might not seem like a... a like it's going to be the movie that blows your socks off, but does it's it's a can basically pick up these indie ones and do cool stuff. Yeah, I just don't I just so like, don't feel that they've that any of those bigger companies have done any films that would be there, there, there's there's pretty much no films in those in those those companies categories that you could say is surrealist. About every in go on. I don't know. I think like in so so surrealist movies didn't exist no, before a twenty four. But they were they all were like uh, the majority of them were like self released or didn't get widescreen cinematic release. They were things that became like cult hits afterwards. A lot of them. It was something that like somebody got it on DVD and were like holy shit and they showed it to their mates or it was like an old film back there, like an old VHS. I'm not saying that they're the be all now though. What I'm saying is I think that uh, that like they have essentially they're- kicked the independent film seen up the arse and made yeah, yeah. independent films more widely recognized and the other studios a lot of the bigger other studios are trying to catch up and apparently yes they were releasing stuff they were like producing films but they weren't doing it at a rate big enough to actually make an impact on the box office for the year whereas a24 have a24 have, yeah. have like landed enough big films like Every like it, they have a, a high enough hit rate, I think that if they go like, oh yeah, we're releasing on such and such a weekend, and it has Colin Farrell, in it, or it has yep. fucking whoever else in it, that like the other film, the other film studios have to be like, huh? They actually have to stop and consider: is it you know, is this going to clash with something we're releasing? Yeah, I don't, I like don't know, it, if... but I think it does happen. It's just based. On... I don't know. If... I don't know if. Uh, uh... I don't know if the lobster is going to make other people say, 
oh, we should not release our new Transformers movie because no, but they Colin have, Farrell but has they a have, movie. But out. they haven't seen it. Like, they, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, it's like when those films land, they're generating enough yeah. money and they're generating enough positive uh, reviews because, like, no film is reviewed in a bubble. So, like, yeah. you'll see it. Like, if you watch the likes of the BBC Radio One when you see uh, Kermode and Mayo on the, on the Friday afternoons, yeah. where Mark Kermode goes through and reviews all the films that are coming out that week. And you will often hear him say, unlike some of the other films we're reviewing this week, because it's in a bubble, it's everything, it's, sorry, it's not yeah. in a bubble, it's, he's, the, what's a larger one of the things he's seen at that point, the things he's seen made by the same company or same director and writer or actor and other films released around it. It's, yeah, yeah. you know, if a person has X amount of money in their pocket and X amount of time I, to go to the cinema, they're going to go, they're like, there are an amount of people out there, a significant portion who will go and I, see what's reviewed better. And I yeah no and I've I've seen the marketing pushes for uh for A twenty four films and they always draw me in they are like I'm almost like killing of a sacred deer I'll see the posters up around the place and I'll be like there's something about this that makes me want to see it because they are pushing it I there was when I used to watch surrealist films like do you remember Rubber the one about the killer tire yeah, the great film that was that was released that was released on some French uh, uh distributor. And I remember hunting for it for years. I remember to, like before you could just download stuff, before you could just go onto three or four different streaming services and like eventually find the thing you wanted to see. Um, but I like that, that to me is like the really weird surrealist stuff. Again, Miramax do four rooms, which I think is really surrealist. They didn't train spotting, which is if you're saying like, oh, weird shit doesn't get made. Train spotting is a fucking weird movie. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. I'm and not saying that it doesn't get made. What I'm saying is, is that the more kind of like the ending of enemy i don't want to spoil it for anyone yeah, yeah. who hasn't seen it because i know it takes you by surprise I, but i don't think a lot, I think of, a lot of places would let you would like even consider releasing a film that just has that ambiguous uh, a hard cut ending i don't think that like and that's like a weird premise i get that weird stuff is made but i think like even train spotting is very sanitized I, and like polished I, to appeal to as many people as possible it is i don't know how yeah i i mean it is in that it's got a very cool soundtrack and stuff already. i don't know how you how polished you can call a scene where a guy crawls into a toilet i just i think danny boyle's a really good filmmaker uh i think a24 have just been in this window where they've been finding all this cool stuff and uh people hadn't started doing that yet but now i think netflix and everyone under the sun is doing exactly the same thing i think like we are now at the other end of it the 10 years has passed where they had that window and you're just going to start seeing netflix and apple tv and loads of other places making really really weird stuff and taking really big swings and but that's that's what that's why i'm arguing for a24 i think they stimulated all this anybody who was doing it before they was just, a small I, european studio or it was one film released by a company out of 20 over the course of a year that was like an a, you know what could be considered an indie film or an art house film i, or I, I think they're getting had a huge name attached to it like like you know oh well like the coen brothers have done an art house film so let's put it out yeah, yeah. you know what i mean i think i think i think they're getting credit for the actions of what people were doing anyway i think like it's like saying cronenberg and carpenter were never were not releasing movies they were releasing weird surrealist like random shit and it was getting made in front of people and changing the I'd, the like I'd landscape of film. And I, I do agree with that i but i'd have to double check i think at that time period all their weird stuff was all coming out under new line cinema 
prior to the right. Lord of the Rings, pretty much all of New Line stuff was like body horror or just they did all the Friday the Thirteenth films, they did all the uh, Nightmare on Elm Streets and stuff like that. Like they yeah. had the reputation for a long time of being the like they weren't doing the mainstream stuff; they were doing the weird fringe shit. Yeah, yeah. I think and like, then these companies have existed. Certain thing to trigger, and then they were like, "Oh no, they are the big guys now." There, these there are companies that have like A twenty four didn't invent this. There's companies that have existed for ages. Me and my friends used to sit up and watch the trauma movies, the Toxic Avengers, and all those it's ones. Like it, yeah. la- <laughs> those ones can be a bit dodgy. Hey, those ones can be very dodgy. But uh, no, it, it's it's every one of the movies that you mentioned are surrealist and off the wall and crazy and absolutely deserving of praise and deserving of the Oscars and accolades that they're getting. But they're they're in existing genres like the hereditary and and like even the witch are in like the, you can see the through line from Lars von Trier and 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 uh, yeah and uh, I was going to say David Lynch and things like that you can see these through lines from companies and it was it used to be that you I don't know like if you look at the David Lynch stuff Eraserhead was his first movie and and got in front of people like he didn't have to prove himself grinding away doing all sorts of other stuff it's not like uh there was no avenue for people before this and it just from looking online it feels like a24 have been given uh a level of coolness and and as if they've invented something by a newer group of kind of film fans who just didn't see that this stuff was available beforehand but just harder to find uh and I, it's like it is fun. I I like Swiss Army Man. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm glad that like, got me. Like I said, I'm not saying that it is exclusively them. It just feels that they are taking, or that over the last decade they have taken more risks at a higher frequency than any other studio. They are willing to yep. to distribute stuff and on like and just be like, let's give it a chance. Let's see if it works. And they're taking more shots, whereas like. The other one that you like, the other company of that similar style you compared it to, Annapurna, they seem incredibly like risk averse. And when it comes yeah, to independent they're... cinema and to that kind of more arty or weird genres of film, you have to be a risk taker to put it out there. And it's being rewarded. And it's like they, they like they are consistently their films are going out. They're all made on very small budgets, pulling in huge amounts of money. Now, granted, not all of them are yeah. successful. Not all of them are winners. But I, they hit more than they miss, and I think that's what they absolutely do not hit. They do not hit more than they miss. They, they absolutely miss more than they hit. Oh no, that some of the shite that's in there, like the I was watching trailers for some of the James Franco movies, the Adderall Diaries and things like that. They look absolutely fucking god awful. There's one with, uh, there's one with fucking Oscar Isaac's in it, that is. I was watching scenes from it. It's some of the most boring shite I've ever seen. It, you said they have ten movie, like f- ten to fifteen movies. Literally, the list of A twenty four movies has ninety five. No, like ten, ten or fifteen released. a year. How? But like, all right. So I, I'm if they have released ninety five movies, right. and twenty and twenty of them are good movies, and twenty of them are all right movies. That's still a majority of shite movies. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, it's just like looking I find I find a lot of their stuff to be quite good. No, I I do think it is a pyramid of 
Here are some really good movies with a couple of Oscar winners at the top. And really engaging, amazing movies. I'm always excited to see a, a A24 movie because I'll get something I haven't seen before. Then engaging and weird. Like that's the next big group. And the, the bottom of it is very much, there's a whole pile of shite here you're going to have to sift through. Like 2016 was an amazing year for them. Every other year seems to be real fucking slow. Yeah, I'm not going to watch Waves. Uh, I'm not going to watch The Death of Dick Long. <laughs> Such a good name. How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Eh, I don't know that one. But uh, yeah, it's if they were hitting more than they missed, then they'd... Oh, this, they, there's this whole phenomena, if you need to hire 10 people to fill a department, get one person to hire 10, because they will... Not, they will hire a diverse group of people. They'll look for all sorts of stuff and they'll take a couple of big risks. They'll be like, oh, this person doesn't have the experience, but they were really good in the interview and it sounds like they're passionate. If you get 10 people to each hire one person, they'll all hire a straight white guy. They'll all hire, like if the role is usually filled by a straight white guy, that's who they'll hire. They'll play it absolutely fucking safe. And I think the smaller production companies just have to pick the ones that are a bit safer. It sounds like the, the saving grace of A24 is they can just cast this ridiculously wide fucking net and pull in a few fucking uncut gems. Uh, and yeah, but uh, no, it is. <laughs> That's what I call my penis, actually. The uncut, the uncut gem. Okay, fine. Um... <laughs> I don't know. It's I, I so glad they exist. I think the level of love for them that exists online uh, is misdirected. I think you could be saying that more companies should be doing this and casting a wide net and pulling in some cool stuff and using this business model. And I'm glad that loads of other companies are doing it. I'm glad that Netflix are doing it. I'm glad that Apple TV are now linking up with A24. I assume that's more on the TV side than the film production side. Um, but I'm glad that my Netflix account might soon be filling up with completely random shite and not just reality TV show where, oh, what if you had to fall in love, but you weren't allowed to use your hands? Like whatever fucking shite they seem to come out with every year. <laughs> Oh, it's, it's, you have to fall in love, but everyone has to wear a, a crustacean mask. Uh, it's the lobster. No, uh, which is the, that is the lobster. It is. Um, and I, like, I, I would rather, if I was going into watching a 24 movie sight unseen, I'd have a lot more, uh, I'd be much more confident I'm about to see a good Pixar movie than an a 24 movie. I, if, if I'd heard absolutely nothing about it, I think I'm pretty much guaranteed. I think there's one bad Pixar movie. I know you're saying that there's loads and loads of sequels, but think about the companies that aren't Pixar. Think of how many fucking Minions movies there are. I'm not, think I'm about not, everyone on. else. That's not what about us in this thing, right? The people who are pumping out the Minions films also deserve to be fucking hit in the head with a shovel. Like, it, it's <laughs> this is a, just because one person's being a shitter, doesn't mean other people aren't. Look at. Look at the restraint then, I will say, without, without direct comparison that, that Pixar are showing with some of these. Like, the, their only bad movie is The Good Dinosaur. And even at that, watching scenes from it earlier, it just looks like a eh, meh like, movie. The, the backgrounds, the environments are gorgeous. I get what you're saying about, like, and you go in and you know it's going to, you, you think it's, you know it's going to be a good Pixar film. My, it's a, my issue it's with a that, catered, curated experience. My issue with that is I go in and I know I'm just going to get the same stuff I've gotten before. I'm not going to see. Yeah, it's going to be incredibly more. unlikely I'm going to see anything interesting. Mostly unless, A, it's got Brad Bird's name on it, 
or B, they resurrect Dan Gershon who died because he did all the interesting stuff for them. Like between the two of them, like like Dan Gershon did all the Monsters Inc. stuff. He also went on to write Big Hero Six, which is a fucking incredible film. Yeah. And Amazing like movie. Brad Bird has done yeah. like, The Incredibles and Ratatouille and stuff like that. But unless they have those those names on it, I'm like, I don't know what this is gonna be like. Whereas I, at least with an A twenty four stuff, I'm like, right, well, like this is probably something that I haven't seen before. Yeah. Oh, I will give I'll give points to shit just for showing me something I haven't seen before. But I, I think you even hit on something there that the influence of Pixar on other things, like Big Hero Six, feels like a Pixar movie to me, where they just took it in a slightly more superhero, uh, it's based, it's young based, adult direction. It's based on a Marvel comic, so yeah, it's a Marvel film. Yeah. It's not part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, <laughs> but it is a Marvel film. It's the comics a little bit different. I'm Wait. just going to warn people because we've brought that up. The comic <laughs> of Big Hero Six is slightly different. Slightly. <laughs> very different uh but yeah i i i think you can see that uh pixar has raised the standards and the stakes on uh an entire industry in terms of cg and like the way those movies are put together and the level of polish we expect and like it's got that competitive thing with the sony pictures now disney pictures and dreamworks where they're all trying to fucking outdo each other and we get cool things like Frozen or we get cool things like just ridiculously well-made movies because they're trying to raise a bar. And I do think they literally have that levels of humor, that adult humor. There's a bit in Coco where one of the guys is playing a song and looks real weird off screen and does something else. And a load of the characters go, that's not the lyrics. And he goes, there are kids present. And then you go back over in your mind what he just sang and you start substituting words and you realize what the song should have been. And like, oh, I see where that should have gone. And he's like, it's just a kid. Like he's like, oh, you're gonna have to sing the song this way. And it's a guy trying to make a dirty song clean on the fly. And you're like, that's pretty funny. That's a good joke. I like that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, uh, I'm not saying that Pixar is devoid of value. It's just, it's it feels. I don't know. Some of their stuff, like they seem. I don't. know, Maybe I'm just like I have this thing in my head about like take more risks at the moment because. They like more, you know, the, the whole constant sequel thing, and that it just that feels more risk averse than anything else. But maybe that's just me. Hey, if I again, the restraint they've shown as a Disney company to not do a Cars movie every year, they could very easily just do a Cars movie every year, and they haven't. They've done one every was it 2011, 20, 2006. Then Cars 2 2011, then Cars 3 2017. Like they are spacing those motherfuckers out until they have a good story to tell. I, maybe not so much with the Cars movie, maybe more so with Toy Story. But they're they're one of the only companies where they said, if they said we're doing, I don't know, Ratatouille 2 back in the hood, I would be like, fuck it, I'll probably see it. Like it's, it doesn't feel like a cash grab. If they've decided that now, 10 years later, or whatever much time it is since Ratatouille, that they they have another story to tell. I'd be like, it's bound to be interesting. I'll give it a watch. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll, we'll leave it up to our audience to decide who's right. Yeah, Who, who's right and who's a the Pixar fan? I mean, uh... who's right? Who's next? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. I guarantee you, there's not going to be a huge amount of crossover with twenty four fans and Pixar fans. I feel like one of them will have had their heart broken during this conversation. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I 
sifting through A24 stuff feels like effort to find the good shit. And that's fine. I'm happy to put the effort in. I will watch a couple of shit movies. I, I over the Halloween, got Shudder, and they just greenlit everything under the sun. And I maybe saw two ridiculously good movies that I would recommend to everybody and 12 fucking piles of shite that at least had some interesting stuff in it. Uh, I think that there is some A24 stuff that's weird and interesting. I think there's some that's unapologetic, like just unrepentantly boring. And as you're watching it, there's one Outlaws where it's about biker gangs or something. And Jesus Christ, it's just the most boring. I don't know how you can turn biker gang stuff into such a boring pile of shite. Effort. <laughs> Hard work and commitment. Yeah. Um... <laughs> but uh, yes, that uh, I think I would happily leave this up to the audience to to come back and see who has argued their case here the best. I feel like I'm not backing them from Pixar. It feels like you are still the A24 stand that you started as. Uh, so let's see what the world has to say. Yeah. Uh, and on that note, my car has arrived. <laughs> uh, my Pizza Planet van has arrived and I'll be, <laughs> we'll be heading, heading off into the middle distance. Cool. Yeah. Take care, guys. Cool. All right. Cheers. <laughs>